This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. How you doing today? I really hope you watched episode number two with me, Mr. Greg Dickerson, Thinking Big, School of Entrepreneurship. If you haven't, you're going to want to go find it. This episode is going to be one that he and I get all the time. Uh, we are obviously real estate business folks, but we get asked by followers and students, hey, what do you, what do you think about stocks? Stocks or real estate? So I thought we would do an episode on it. I don't think we have done this one to date. So, uh, Greg, I suspect you get this question all the time. Stocks? Always. Yeah, always have been. I get asked, you know, do I do anything with stocks? Have I done anything with stocks and, and things like that? And of course, now the Bitcoin and, mm. you know, uh, other other things that are popping up along the way. But, um, you know, you can go look at the charts in terms of the history of the stock market. It, it has kind of always, even with its ups and downs, it's kind of always gone up. Real estate's kind of always gone up. Um, you know, and there's arguments for and against each one. And, you know, even right now, you can look at the bubble that we're in, and we're in a huge bubble on an asset class basis. And real estate is an asset class, um, just like stocks, just like cash, gold, uh, bonds, and everything is just up and up and up. Bitcoin, you know, the whole nine yards. So the real interesting thing is going to be at the end of this cycle, when, when things change, where are you going to want to be and what has proven to be, you know, the true long-term strategy that plays out the best. And uh, we don't know the answer to that yet because we don't know where real estate values and what types of properties uh, are going to survive and where they're going to be. We know what happened in 2008 and 2009. This is starting to look a lot like that, very different in terms of what happened then and what can and will happen now, but the catalysts are the same. Okay, in terms of all the free flowing credit, free flowing money that overvalued the real estate market, uh, easy credit, uh, monetary policy, and um, you know interest rate policy is what triggered the collapse. We're kind of on that road right now. We are, you know, we have a liquidity crisis right now. We have a liquidity problem in the markets. It's not so much rate driven now as it is liquidity driven. There's so much liquidity out there. So when things change and the faucet gets turned off. Where are we going to be at the end of the day? But, you know, generally over the long haul, stock market has, you know, been on a steady, you know, annual, in, you know, 10% of, of appreciation and growth, you know, over the long term. Real estate's kind of been there the same way. The only difference is real estate, you get tax, um, you know, benefits that you don't get in the stock market. You can leverage real estate like you, like you um, can't leverage with stocks and in stock market. Now you can do stuff on margin, but that's not the same thing. Um, as real estate. So there's a lot more advantages overall to real estate than there is in the stock market. But the problem is where the disparity comes in is in the stock market, man, you can make quick bucks a lot of times easier than you can in real estate if you kind of know what you're doing. And there's a lot of those momentum trades going on right now where people are doing extremely well. So it, it kind of skews things. So it's going to be a really interesting experiment to see how it shakes out. Yeah. For someone who, you know, I was a stock guy for three or four years and, and had the, you know, the, the success that one would want, right? Seven grand to almost 200. Uh, but ultimately, you know, turned that back into 40 and, in, you know, a couple of weeks uh, <laughs> from being arrogant and stupid. Um, you know, some people like to point out, well, you still turn seven, seven into 40 
yeah, I guess that's true. But I still look at the statement that says 198 and feel like an idiot. So yeah, I, I understand. But to me, it's really uh, about the amount of work it takes. Because again, as we talked about in episode number one, I think my job was to be the best I could be from nine to five in my day job, because that was what I was going to take to buy my side hustle, right? Real estate or stocks or whatever. And I just didn't have enough time. I think stocks take more time. There's just more things in there, more businesses. You have stock risk, you have industry risk, you have market risk. What I like about real estate now, and again, you can tell me I'm slanted or skewed. I don't care. It's true. Uh, is if you learn your market, you do the work, you get really micro-focused, you have an unfair advantage because real estate is not like stocks. It has a price every second. Real estate has ups and downs. It has emotions. You might find you may find a seller that's just done and they're going to sell it at a discount. You can never go in and buy Apple $40 less than everybody else, but you can buy a house for 40 grand less because they had a bad day. It does happen, right? You also can use your creativity. Unlike stocks where you basically got to either go on margin or pay full float, you can, you can find a seller. Like I bought uh, 15 houses from a owner who was done. They wanted just a little bit of money down to cover costs. Then they wanted a monthly payment, which I could, I could cover very easily and gave me uh, a low interest rate. So I would never refi them out. You know, I picked up half a million bucks in equity and have a note that's still lower than anything I could get at a bank. So I'm not going to pay him off and he knows it, but you know, it's, it's definitely a win-win situation. So I think real estate, unlike stocks has, it has outside gains if you're willing to do the work, right? I still think both take work, but creativity, experience, focus pays off a lot better in real estate, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah. So if you're comparing cash flow real estate, right? So, you know, rental properties, income producing properties um, over the long haul. Yeah. I mean, there's no comparison. So let's take stocks, for instance. We've seen, you know, companies can go out of business tomorrow. Your stock is worthless. Yep. Um, your stock does not produce cash flow. I mean, you can have a dividend earning stock, but that's pittance. Yeah, you know, it's pittance. not going to generate cash flow like, you know, um, income producing property. And at the end of the day, and we've seen it here recently, um, you know, if the Fed has, it had not done what it did, the market was dying. It was going down. It would have collapsed and we would be nowhere where we are now. Uh, the only reason, you know, those values are where they are is because what the Fed did. Arguably, be same thing with real estate because of interest rates and, and you know, what you can borrow. But at the end of the day, stocks can become worthless and zero overnight and you have nothing. Whereas if a piece of real estate, you could lose all that equity that you picked up in those properties, but you still have cash flow and income coming in because people need somewhere to live. They need somewhere to operate the businesses that are going to be able to survive. So at the end of the day, even if cash is worthless and stocks are gone and we're all at the end of the line, you have, if you have housing, you have something you can trade for other things. Mm -hmm. So you still have something of value. If you've got stock in a company that's gone or the economy ceases to exist in that realm, you know, the worst economic situation you can imagine, you got nothing. You know, you might be able to burn it and heat your house, but that's about it. Yeah. The other thing I like, again, having, have experienced both worlds and, and, and investing ahead of and through the last real estate crash, right? The great recession and through the dot-com stock bubble. The thing I like about real estate is if you're paying attention, I call it doing the work, you can see the turn coming and take appropriate action. Real estate turns slower, right? It involves masses of people who all have different emotions in buying and selling reasons. It doesn't turn like stocks, right? One of my stocks that I bought overnight was worthless, right? Enron, right? It was flying high and suddenly they were seen as a fraud and boom, nothing. 
that doesn't happen with real estate, right? We had, we had time, right? We, we had eight houses into the peak of the market, as we wrote about in that book behind me. We saw it coming, right? The affordability index was screaming, sell, sell, sell. So we did. And actually, we didn't sell. We exchanged because what was hot, there was something that wasn't. And that was apartments back in the day. So we went from eight to 80 units. Yes, our net worth took a hit when it crashed. But our cash flow exploded because people needed a roof over their head and they were losing their homes. So again, I think real estate offers you, if you're, if you're paying attention, you don't get greedy uh, and you change, I call it dancing through the raindrops. Uh, you, you, can, you can make outside gains if, if you do the work. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, and unfortunately, um, or fortunately, depending on which side of the fence you're on and where you, what you're doing, the stock market has become a casino. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's nothing more than gambling. And, uh, you know, and they're, I mean, they're on the news every day talking about betting, you know, yeah, everybody exactly. to, you know, you're betting. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're betting in the stock market. So that's all stocks, financial assets, Bitcoin, gold. It's all fake. It's, it's just a casino and it's gambling. And, you know, nobody can tell you if it's going up or going down the next day. Nobody can tell you what the value of anything is going to be a year from now, five years or 10 years from now. Nobody knows yeah. in those regards. Now with real estate, again, no matter what, you know that there's a tangible asset that you can put your hands on that's going to be there. Now, you know, people might say, oh, well, Apple's not going anywhere or Google's not going anywhere. Or YouTube's got not going anywhere. Well, nobody thought Enron would ever go anywhere. Nobody thought GM would ever go bankrupt. You know, I mean, there's been major, major you know, conglomerates that have vaporized and their shareholders got wiped out, yeah. you know, in, in situations that, you know, nobody can predict. So that's really the problem with the stock market. It used to be a place where you could actually value a company and have real price discovery. Now, when you look at like GameStop and all these other things, it's just a speculative game of bubbles and, you know, people jumping in thinking that they're going to be missing out. And, uh, it's just it's just nowhere where you can predict a, a certain outcome uh, on an investment. Yeah, uh, the stock market has become this generation's sports betting, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. addicted to the, you know, the little hit of um, whatever. Well, that it's a game. It's, a it's game. not even sports betting. Yeah, I guess you could call it sports betting, you know, but it, yeah, it's a game. You know, Robin Hood's gamifying it. Yeah. You know, it's becoming more and more of a game, you know, with the SPACs and all the different things. And, you know, again... We talk about it a lot. The people that, you know, talk about Bitcoin and all these other things and all these investment banks that are now getting behind it, they're not buying Bitcoin, they're facilitating the transactions and making fees. So you got to remember, the people that are out there that are proponents of these vehicles and the investments are the ones that have something to gain by the trades. They're on one side or the other, they're talking it up or they're talking it down and, and their balance sheet is at stake with these things that they're doing. So all of the media, CNBC is paid yeah. by the people that come on that talk up or down their positions. That's how it works. So you got to really read between the lines, not what they say, but what they do and where they, where, you know, follow the money, what, who's getting paid on what's being broadcast. And, uh, you know, that's what's going on. Michael Saylor, a lot of people, yeah. whenever we talk about Bitcoin, they're like, well, have, you don't know anything about Bitcoin. You haven't listened to Michael Saylor, you know, the dude's talking his position up, you know, of yeah, course four is, billion you know. dollars in crypto yeah. on his ass. And you know, he bought in back when Bitcoin was, you know, six thousand or sixteen thousand or something. So his yeah. average cost yeah. is way less than the thirty or forty thousand that he's been paying recently. So um, you know, it's just really interesting times. And I think unfortunately, um, the markets have become Vegas and something is going to be done about it at some point once yeah. a bunch of people get hurt. 
through this next crash because it's coming and people yeah. are going to get hurt big time. It's going to be worse than we've ever seen. Yeah, this is um, certainly with the stock market, it's closest to the dot-com bubble I've ever seen, especially with these SPACs just you know, spending stupid money, reverse going public. It's, uh, I've never been so, I'm not touching stocks since since the dot-com bubble. But again, real estate's not easy today either, right? It's got it's 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 pretty richly valued today, and, and finding deals is tough. That's why you got to do the work, stay diligent, look at it. Well, every day. but the difference is there's real price discovery sure. in real estate where there is not in the stock market. You don't totally know agree. what something's worth in the stock market. It's totally speculative. Real estate, if it's cash flow, well, mm -hmm. it is what it is. Yep. You know, you've got income, you've got expenses, and you've got debt. You know, so you can have real price discovery in terms of what you're willing to pay oh, and sure. you can pay whatever you want for a property as long as it meets your return requirements, which may be zero. Yeah. You may say, you know what, I don't need any cash flow. I just want to own this thing at the end of the day. And then I've got payments coming in once it pays itself off. So that's the other thing. Real estate pays for itself. If you have a cash flow producing property, stocks aren't going to pay for themselves. Agreed. You know, sure, they can go up and you can use the you know, the, the increase to buy more stock and you can dollar cost average and you can do all that. But again, at the end of the day, when that vaporizes and becomes worthless, which as we see, companies are getting out innovated constantly, um, you know, as these things go along. And, um, you know, the, the real key is price discovery, understanding where the market is and if there is a market. In real estate, you can absolutely scientifically do that. So there is no guesswork. Nope. It is what it is. Totally agree. That's that's why I talk about do the work, look at it daily, ten to twenty minutes. You know, get after it. Uh, you can't. I. You know, after working a full day, twelve hour day at work, I just couldn't do that. Another, you know, eight nine hours worth stock. So real estate was just easier. I took the least path of yeah. resistance, and uh, it's paid off. So uh, very very cool. Any closing thoughts on this topic? No, I think it's good, and I think you know you can find cases, you know, for and against. I mean, you can find a lot of wealth created through the stock market, a lot of very, very wealthy people. And, uh, you know, hey, if you're out there and you're young and you're looking for a way to make a ton of money fast, get in the markets, man, as a manager or an investment fund manager or hedge fund or investment banker or something like that and facilitate these large transactions because that's really where it's at. Yeah. The, the people making the bulk of the money in the stock market are the people facilitating the transactions and getting fees on large transactions because there's large pools of money that need to be moved. The Warren Buffett model I don't know that that works anymore. Mm. You know, yeah. that's the big interesting thing. You know, he's one of the only ones that has been a value investor that's created enormous wealth. I don't know that that can work anymore. Yeah. I don't know that value investing is, is a thing and is even possible in the markets today. Whereas on the real estate side, I think you've got more examples of value investing and in, in, for sure, uh, you know, where you can prove that model. Very cool. Well, Greg, thank you very much for your time. This has been a lot of fun. These three episodes were true, true fire. Thank you very much.